Hi, this is Kenny Duff, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Welcome, Church. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and this is your Sunday sermon. It is May 7th. We're going to be wrapping up our sermon series today called The Way. Last week, I ended by saying that we're called to fight the good fight, to press on and to keep the way. And when the going gets tough, just remember, you have him. You have Jesus. Today, we're going to see just how important it is that we have Jesus. His life is not something to keep secret or withhold from others. His life is something to share, to illuminate for others, and to model our own after. He is the way. In fact, that's the title of the sermon. He is the way. There are several scriptures I'm going to be referencing today, but the main one is Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. But before we get to any of that, let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, thank you for the privilege of this series, The Way. We are excited to complete it today and complete it well. Open our hearts to receive your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Before we get too far, let me ask you, have you ever had to keep a secret? You know, maybe a surprise party, an engagement, maybe a reunion. Whatever the occasion, secrets can be difficult to hold on to. Several years ago, one of our sons, our youngest son, in fact, was in the army, and he was planning on coming home for Christmas from Germany. He wanted to surprise his brother. And so with a special Christmas gift he had in mind, he shared that he wanted to pay off his brother's car loan and surprise him with the title, all wrapped up as a Christmas present. Of course, we worked with our son for several months ahead of time to ensure that everything was in place and that the title came to our home in time for Christmas. So our son arrived as scheduled and so did the car title. So he put it in a picture frame and wrapped it up in a box with Christmas wrapping. The hardest thing about the whole thing was every time I'd see my other son, I would want to be saying something. I was smiling. I was giddy with anticipation. I almost gave it away. He would ask me, what's going on? Well, I'd play it down, and I nearly gave it away, though, on several occasions. Then on Christmas morning, our whole family was gathered at the home, and there was this one last present to be opened. And our younger son walked over to his brother and gave him the small wrapped box, and he said, Merry Christmas, bro. Our son opened the package, and for a few minutes, he was just dumbfounded. I mean, he looked at it, he said, what is this? And then his eyes, I mean, they were as big as a Buick hubcap. And he finally realized what he was looking at inside the box. It was the title to his car. He stared at that car title and he was just speechless. Then, of course, came the emotions and there was cheering and crying and everybody was just all happy. The whole point of my sharing that with you is to say that it's hard to keep that secret. And granted, it was a good secret, a secret that had a happy ending, but it was still hard. In today's scripture passage, Jesus asks his most trusted disciples to keep one of the most amazing secrets of all time. It's one that the Bible commentators have coined the messianic secret. And if you've spent any time in the New Testament at all, you've read where Jesus forbids people from revealing his true identity to others. Here's a couple of examples. In Mark chapter 1, verse 34, it says, So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Also in Mark chapter 1, a little later on, verses 40 to 44, it says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, 
be healed, he said. Instantly the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning, Don't tell anyone about this. Then in Mark chapter 7, verses 32 to 36, it says, A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers in the man's ears. Then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha, which means be opened. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. As we can see, this is the same motif here in our text, Matthew 17, 1 through 9, which we're going to read in just a minute. This is when Jesus forbids Peter, James, and John from revealing his true identity. Can you imagine that? What an intense secret to hold on to, that Jesus is the beloved Son of God, and you can't tell anybody. He is, as John 14, 6 says, the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. As we look at our scripture passage for today, I think it would be beneficial to read through it together. So open your Bible or Bible app to Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. Follow along as I read. Here we go. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And then they looked up. Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. As you can see in this passage, Jesus reveals his true identity to three of his twelve disciples. The Father speaks from heaven, and they're forbidden to talk about what they just saw until after Jesus has been raised from the dead. There's a lot going on in this passage, my friends, so let's take it one chunk at a time. First, let's talk about the revealing. Look at verses 1 to 4. Let's read again. Six days after Jesus took Peter and the two brothers James and John, he led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elisha appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The Greek word translated transformed or transfigured is metamorphothy. This is where we get our word metamorphosis. The verb refers to an outward change that comes from within. Jesus' change was not a change merely in appearance. It was a complete change into another form. On earth, Jesus appeared as a man, a poor carpenter from Nazareth turned itinerant preacher. But at the transfiguration, Jesus' body was transformed into the glorious radiance that he had before coming to earth and that he will have when he returns in glory. In this moment, Jesus revealed his divine nature to the disciples, like it said in verse 2, his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. What's really incredible here is that 
for all of the miraculous healings, all the sermons and everything else these three disciples had experienced with Jesus, they had yet to experience something as powerful as this. The fabric of Jesus' humanity was pulled back and his divine holy nature was revealed. It's also worth noting that Matthew, the gospel writer, says this happened up on a mountain and that Jesus' face glowed. You know, all of this is reminiscent of what happened to Moses when he went up to the mountain to talk with God and receive the Ten Commandments back in Exodus 34, verses 29 to 35. It probably wasn't until much later that the disciples made the connection and understood the implications of Jesus being the new Moses, if you will, to his people. Just as Moses led the Israelites to the promised land, Jesus leads us to a better land, a future hope, an eternal salvation. Then in verse 3, it said, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah were considered the two greatest prophets in the Old Testament. There were the primary figures associated with the Messiah. Moses was his predictor and Elijah was his precursor. And they both experienced theophanies, that is, special appearances of God. Moses represented the law or the Old Covenant. He had written the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And he had predicted the coming of the great prophet, Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19. Elijah represented the prophets who had foretold the coming of the Messiah, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Moses and Elijah's presence with Jesus confirmed Jesus' messianic mission to fulfill God's law and the words of God's prophets. Their appearance also removed any thought that Jesus was the reincarnation of either Elijah or Moses. The bottom line here is this. It's one thing to be revealed as divine, which Jesus was, but it's another to be revealed as the beloved Son of God, which Jesus also happened to be. Next, let's talk about Jesus' true identity. Read again verses 5 through 8 of the text with me. They say, But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. Amazingly, this isn't the first time a booming voice from heaven had talked about the dearly loved son. If you remember back in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, when Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. What's the obvious difference between these two passages? If you noticed in Matthew 17, God the Father adds the command in verse 5, Listen to him. For those who follow Jesus, this is a big deal. It's not enough to know the teachings of Christ. It's imperative that we adhere to the teachings of Christ, that we model our lives after his, love others as he loved, and follow in his footsteps. Turn with me in your Bibles to John 14, 21. John 14, verse 21, and follow along as I read. Here Jesus says, Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. This passage is really interesting in light of our Matthew 17 verses 1 through 9 passage. Consider the parallels happening here. If you have the commands of Jesus, if you listen to him and you keep them, then you love him. And if you love Jesus, then you will also be loved by the Father. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus said he will reveal himself to those who love, follow, and obey. Now take a look at verses 6 and 7. I'm not going to read them, but I just want you to look at them while I'm talking with you. Jesus' true identity isn't a secret any longer. Jesus has revealed himself as the Messiah, and the Father has confirmed this for all to see. In response to this amazing reality, 
James and John fell face down on the ground. They were terrified to hear the voice of God. Throughout scripture, the visible glory of deity creates fear. You might want to check out Daniel 10 verses 7 through 9. But Jesus, as he does for all of us, gently encourages them by telling them to get up and not be afraid. I wonder how many of us today are scared of Jesus. We're fearful of the implications that come if he really is who he claims to be. We're fearful that these stories from the Bible aren't just stories, they're roadmaps leading us back to him. If that's you, my friend, then I hope you are able to receive the words of Christ today. He's telling you, don't be afraid. Jesus is gentle and humble in heart. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the beloved Son of God given for the salvation of mankind. Lastly, let's talk about Jesus is the way. In John 14, 6, Jesus is quoted as saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. This statement from Jesus is his response to the disciples' question that was found in verses 1 to 5. Let's go back and read that. It gives you the setup for all of this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will be with me always where I am. And you know the way where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? That's the setup to that verse in six. So Jesus is saying that the destination is not a physical place, but a person. In other words, the father. And that the way to the destination is another person, the son. Jesus is the way to the father. Jesus is the truth or reality of all God's promises. And Jesus is the life as he joins his divine life with ours both now and eternally. Jesus is the way that leads to the truth and life. For Christians, it means that Jesus is the only means of salvation and that through faith in him, one can have a personal relationship with God and eternal life in heaven. This is the reality of Christ that we now understand to be true, but it's one that Jesus forbade his disciples and others from revealing while he was here on earth. Look with me again at verse nine of the text. It says, as they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So as the four of them walk down the mountain together, Jesus commands them not to tell anyone about what happened on the mountain. They got to wait until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the final time that Jesus will instruct his disciples not to reveal the deepest truths about his identity. Taken together, Jesus seems to want to avoid having the people of Israel revolt against Rome, attempting to make him king by force. That's not the purpose of his mission. In addition, he means for his resurrection from the dead to be the central evidence to the people that he is the son of God. This is the sign of Jonah that he has promised to the Jewish religious leaders, Matthew 12, 39 and Matthew 16, 4. Perhaps he doesn't want the report of his glorious appearance on the mountain to overshadow that event. But what about us today? Are we supposed to be quiet and not tell anyone who Jesus is? Absolutely not. It means that we have to say loud and proud that Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead and he lives. Beloved, it means that we have to tell anyone and everyone about Jesus. We have to tell them exactly who he is, who he claimed to be, and that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to eternal life and salvation but through him. Amen? Amen. As we read through this amazing passage and we're able to see what Jesus is doing for Peter, James, and John, There are a few questions that arise as we consider how to apply a passage like this to our lives today. For instance, 
Do we see Jesus for who he really is? Do we honor him as Savior? Has his way become our way? And do we trust that he is the way, the truth, and the life? As I mentioned earlier, I imagine many of us are fearful of what it might mean in our lives to answer these questions honestly. For better or for worse, we've got to be truthful about Jesus. If he's not really the Messiah, then who is he? Do I see him as Lord over all my life, or do I view him more like a helpful mentor who gives me good advice about living? Do I trust that he is the only way, or do I think deep down that there are other ways to receive eternal salvation? And of course, my favorite question to ask in my life and others, do I love Jesus and follow his teachings, or do I cherry pick the things that I want to follow and leave the rest behind? There are many paths to follow in life, many roads to choose from. But there is only one that leads to eternal life and salvation. It's a path through Jesus back to the Father and into heaven. It's a path where the meek, the brokenhearted, the gentle, the persecuted, the peacemaker, and others are welcomed. It's a path where you're invited to participate, to light the way for others, and to keep the way with integrity and righteousness. It's not an easy path. It may cost you, but it's worth it in the end. Beloved, if you have Jesus... You have all you need. There is no other way. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for helping us to see who you really are through your written word. Lord, help us to honor you and lead others to you. You are the way and the truth and the life, Jesus. Use us to bring others to you. In your holy name we pray and everyone said, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.